pastor asks me to minister and asks me to preach, and then he runs out of town. Brother Lee gets word, he runs out of town. The Bufords here, or the uh, Lowe's hear about it, they run to Branson. Amen. I'm a popular preacher. Amen. Good stuff coming at you. Amen. I'm just kidding. They all had uh, previous engagements. Pastor doesn't like for everybody to be gone at once. Amen. But praise the Lord. We allow them. We allow them that. Amen. Can I give you something that just came to me? It's got nothing to do with what I'm preaching here today. But I love what I feel. And I felt like the Lord just kind of whispered in my ear while I was sitting over there. So I'm just going to say it to you because that's kind of what I have. I don't want to say I have an agreement with the Lord, but you know what? When he says stuff to me, I say it to you. And when he shares stuff with me, I share it with you. Amen. After that youth revival, we saw the miraculous. Folks, we saw Bible stuff. We saw folks filled with the Holy Ghost. We saw people, we're going to see a few baptized in the name of Jesus Christ at some point. We saw folks get documented miracles. Can I get an amen? We saw Bible stuff. We had a, I'll just call it a post-revival prayer meeting that following Tuesday. Pastor did an excellent job, amen, in reminding us that what do we do now? Sister Sorrels, I'm going to look to you today for my nods. What do we do now? And he said, now it's day by day. Now it's house to house. Now we, we got to live in it. Amen? Can I get an amen? So I'm going to encourage you with this word. And this has got nothing to do with what I'm going to preach. I'm going to go a different direction when I'm done here. I'm going to lay this on you anyway. Amen? This is my... Uh... We had a, a phenomenal prayer meeting. Amen? And I said, some of you may have seen my post that... We love the fires of revival, amen. In prayer meetings, that's where those revivals are lit, amen. I believe that that youth revival week was successful because we had a church and, and specifically a group of young people that had fasted and prayed and sought the Lord. And that's why we saw such revival kicked off. Uh, can I get an amen to that? Any, at least a few. So I'm just going to say this to you. If you skip prayer meeting and you allow your prayer life to remain lacking, all the church will ever be to you is a hospital. Amen. If you don't have a relationship with God, all you will ever look to the church to is when I'm in trouble, when I'm hurting, when I'm sick, I got to get there. And it'll always just be a hospital to you. This place is so much more than just a hospital. I know that folks come here for healing. I know they come here for deliverance. Amen. But we, we do three things when we come in this house. We glorify and magnify a God that's sitting on the throne that's high and lifted up, the prophet said. Amen. We do that. And we do come here sometimes for our needs and our desires. Amen. But praise the Lord. We come here and we have an opportunity to be in the presence of the most high God. I know that we can experience that in our car on the highway and in our homes and our prayer life at home. And we should. But that's why if we do it there, if we maintain our relationship with him, we won't have to just run here when we're sick. I, I said it, so you could take it. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Maybe it was just for me, praise God. Get to prayer meeting and get your prayer life in order. And you can live in victory. I didn't say everything would be perfect, but you will live 
in victory. Live there. Live there. Amen. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to take my time today, praise the Lord. I will not be long, amen, but I feel like the Lord is going to do some very special things, amen, in this house for some people. Beginning with verse 18 in Romans chapter 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let me just from the top give you the Keith J. version. There is no comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Come on. Amen. You didn't understand it. Give me, a, give me a nod anyway. There is no comparison to what you are going through today to what is coming down the road to you. Amen. In promise and in favor and in answer from God. Can I get an Amen. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Amen. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Would you put your phone down, your Bible, whatever you're holding, amen, and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you today, God. We're so thankful for your grace, your mercy, your power, your love. We're glad, God, for what you are about to do in this place. We're so thankful, Lord, for your presence that is here, for the answers we have already been given, for the manifestation we have already seen. But now, God, through your word, through your spirit, through your presence, let our hearts and minds be opened up to receive from you again today. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Please, in your personal prayer time, remember, amen, Sister Howell and Sister um, Harding's niece, Bridget, amen. Brother Harding is on the road. Brother Tom Harding's on the road, uh, I believe, this morning or at least today, amen. And Sister Harding, I had the feeling talking to Papa Tom that he was on a mission, amen. I believe that he's going to go up there, and I'm believing for a miracle in that young lady's life, aren't you? Amen. The tents are burning in Ziklag. That's what I want to talk to you today. The tents are burning in Ziklag. It's interesting, the final verse, verse 28, that we read, amen, in Romans chapter 8. I love how the first three words say, and we know. And we know, amen. 
There are going to be things that come our way. There are going to be times, amen, where we won't understand what's going on. And we're going to, amen, get frustrated and throw our hands up and wonder, where is God, amen, and what is he doing? We find, amen, and sometimes it's, it's hard for me to understand whenever I'm reading about some of the disciples and some of the others in the Bible and I hear them say things like, we rejoice, amen, when we're persecuted. Or when, when things go wrong, we, we, that's when we seem to be, amen, that's when it's time for us to be the most uh, uh, faithful. That's when it's time for us to lean on God the most. Sometimes that's a struggle for you and I. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we just have to know. Verse 28 says, and we know. That all things work together for the good to those that love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. And we know that all things work together for the good. We know it. Amen. Even when I'm in trouble and even when I'm hurting and even when I'm in pain. I have to know that God is still working in my life. Amen. I have to know that when pain is in my body, and I've been there, and I've experienced it, amen, and I've, I've had my fights with it, I've had my share of miracles, amen, but in order to have a miracle, you have to have first need a miracle, amen, and you have to be in that position, and if I can encourage you anything today, let me tell you this, if you are standing in need of healing, amen, don't ever let that stop letting you uh, believe that he's the healer. If you are standing in need and you are in want and you are, amen, and the bills are coming, amen, still know that God is the provider, amen. When you are struggling and fighting and batting, battling, amen, still know God is on your side. When you feel weak, you still ought to know that God is your strength. Verse 28 says, and we know, hallelujah, we know that he's doing it. Is it because you're out of your trouble now? No, but we still know. Hallelujah. Is it because everything's hunky-dory in your life today? No, but we know. Hallelujah. That eventually this is going to work out. And we know. Hallelujah. That God never quit being on my side. And we know. Hallelujah. That even though I'm fighting and I'm battling, we know that victory's coming down the road. Hallelujah. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's never turned a deaf ear to me. He's never stopped speaking to me. He's never quit whispering to me. When all else around me fails, he's still got the victory. Hallelujah. And we know. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach today anyway, praise God. Because I feel like somehow we find ourselves in those places and sometimes we become chronic seekers of a need. Hallelujah. And we, we are if we feel like years and years have gone by or months or weeks and those of us that really lack in patience, sometimes hours and days go by and we start to wonder where is God and what is he doing and how can he allow this to happen? Happen, we have to know 
Hallelujah. That God is working things out for our good. It's hard to know that when you're sick and God has the ability to, for lack of a better word, God has the ability to just snap his fingers and make you all better. It's hard to know in that moment that God is doing something. But let me encourage you here today that no matter what you feel, no matter what you see, no matter what you witness, no matter what you experience in your life, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that God created it or God sent it, hallelujah, but whatever's going on in your life, he is going to use it for the good. He's going to make it work out. He's going to bring, hallelujah, victory. He's going to bring, amen. He's going to take things away from you, hallelujah, so that you got room for him to add the things that he needs to add in your life. How do I know? We just got to know. He just got done telling us if we could see the things, it wouldn't be hope anymore. We have to have things. We, our hope is in things that we do not see. Hallelujah. Because if we could see it, we would no longer have hope. Hallelujah. I hope one day, praise God, that God will heal my body. I hope one day that God will save my family. I hope one day that God will work out my situation. I hope one day that God will bring the miracle. I hope one day my loved ones will come to church even just because you can't see it today I'm here to tell you you can't still know oh hallelujah Paul said it like this and I won't belabor it amen but we've got to know hallelujah that and we've got to have a made up mind that whatever God is doing and whatever he is working it is for our own good Paul said, I'm persuaded. And I'm not going to go into the scripture. But Paul was saying in that scripture, Sister Sorrels, he was saying, I know. I'm persuaded that when whether it's life or it's death or it's principalities or it's powers or it's sickness or it's illness or it's a creature or if somebody comes against me or if I get an enemy in my life, Paul is saying I'm persuaded that you can't separate me from the love of God. I'm persuaded. What was he saying? And I know that when those things come in my life, I've still got God on my side. And I know that when things come against me, I've still got a God that's fighting for me that loves me, that believes in me, that is fighting, hallelujah, and bringing me the victory, hallelujah. Praise God. Matthew 14, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come, amen, out to thee on the water. Can I encourage you here today? Peter was standing in that boat, and there was a storm all around him, and along came Jesus out walking on the water, and there was a storm, and there was wind, and there was waves, amen, and everybody else got afraid, but when they looked out there Jesus said be of good cheer don't be afraid it is me hallelujah and Peter said if it's you God then bid me come out on the water Peter wasn't discouraged by the impossibilities that were around him he didn't allow himself to be overcome by the impossibility that would be when his big toe hit that water the rest of him would go down under he, he realized and I know if it's God hallelujah if it is my Lord and he's out they're walking in the midst of my troubles that if I put my feet on it it's going to be like solid ground he believed that if my master is out there in the wind and the waves if my master's voice is coming to me through the storm I know that if I put my one foot out it's going to be like solid ground I know that if he bids me come I'll make it to him we've got to know 
we got to be persuaded, hallelujah. The very mother of Jesus came running to him one day at the wedding feast, amen. And she said they don't have any wine, praise the Lord. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know how it was going to happen. She just knew if we put it in his hands, it's going to be all right. And she said to those, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Can I get an amen? We've got to know. We've got to get it established in our mind that God is on our side at all times. I wish I had a few more amens to that one. I'm going to preach today. I'm going to minister to somebody. We've got to get it established, unmovable in our mind that no matter what, he is on our side. But you don't know what I've done. He's on your side. You don't know where I've been, but he's on your side. You don't know the things I have said. He's still on your side. You can't do anything to make him love you any less or any more. He loves you regardless of you. You just got to know that, amen. You don't know how much trouble's in my life. You don't know how much pain I'm in. You don't know how much I have lost. I still know, though, that God is for you, with you, and in you. Hallelujah. I still know that. There's no doubt in my mind, amen. When I'm sick, there's no doubt in my mind. He's still the healer. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to decide right now that no matter what comes our way, it is what is for best for us. Can I get an amen? I'm not going to make a doctrine out of your pain, amen, today. But if something hits our life and it gets us on our knees or in church or running to Jesus, then it turned out for good. I don't think you heard what I said. We wonder about these troubles in our life and this pain in our life, amen. In the past uh, just over a year, Sister Sharon, I would say our prayer life has deepened. Amen. We would wonder what's going on. Where are we going to go? What's going to happen? And then when you get to the physical things, why the pain? Why the sickness? Why the wonder? Amen. Can I tell you this? And I'm going to say this in confidence today. And I'm not just saying it because I'm standing here healing. If I was limping around on this platform, I would say the same thing. We have to decide in our minds, amen, that no matter what comes our way, if it drives us to our knees, if it drives us to a church service, if it gets us one day to just drop to our knees, in the middle of, of town, amen, and we cry out the name of Jesus, it turned out for the good. If something turns you to him, it's working out all right. Oh, amen. I wish a few people that have been through some things would give me an amen this morning that have known, you know what, when I was going through it, when I was hurting, when I was lost, when I was undone, when I was wondering, when I was wandering, amen, that I remember I can look back now and I find out that I'm better because of that. I'm stronger because that happened. I came out on the other side and I'm able to minister to somebody. I'm able to bless somebody. I'm able, hallelujah, I wish I could get a few people that have been through some things that will stand to their feet and give God glory, hallelujah. 
hallelujah. I wish there was just a couple of people that would say, you know what, I've been hurting before, and he lifted me, and now I know why I was hurting. I wish there was a couple people that said, you know what, I've had questions before, and he brought the answers, amen, and now I'm better because of it. I wish there was a couple of people that said, I don't know why my kids were acting up. I don't know why my husband was acting up. I don't know why my wife was being the way she is, but today I know God is on my side. You got a witness. Look at this. Half the church is a witness. I've been through it. I've been on that side. I've been in the middle of it, and now I'm over here, and I'm telling you, it worked out for the good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. With that knowledge, amen, we can go into any situation, amen, and I didn't say we wouldn't go into it and weep tears. I didn't say we wouldn't go into it and have questions. I didn't say we wouldn't go into it and feel pain. Amen. We will go into things and we will experience them. But if we can just know, if we can keep that knowledge, if we can stay persuaded, hallelujah, then we can find some comfort and some peace and some hope. God's on my side. I tell people all the time, you're in God's hands and there's nowhere better to be than there. Amen. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel. I'm going to spend time, amen, in the end of 1 Samuel and the beginning of 2 Samuel. Amen. Not a lot of time. Stay, just stay ready, amen. We'll, we'll move along. Praise the Lord. First Samuel verse, uh, First Samuel chapter thirty, Amen. I want to read these to you, and I'm going to talk to you. As you remember, my title was "The Tents Are Burning in Ziklag." I want to show you, Amen, how God is working in our lives, Amen, and we may not see it, but we know it, Amen. In the end, let me give you a little bit of background. Praise the Lord. Uh, this benefits me as well as you, Amen. When we get to First Samuel chapter thirty. David is staying in Ziklag. The reason he he is leasing property there from a Philistine king is because this is the moment where the relationship between he and Saul has gone sour. Amen. And Saul is actually pursuing him. As you know, Saul, a man, desired to kill David. And so in this moment, by the time we get to chapter 30... Amen. Just so you know what's going on behind the scenes, praise the Lord. David has already caught Saul, amen, camped in a couple of different places on two different occasions where he has, and you'll remember the story, where he cut a corner off of his robe. Remember that? Saul was asleep. His army was in camp. David snuck down there. One of his guys actually wanted to kill Saul, and David made the statement, we're not going to touch the Lord's anointed, amen, but we're going to let him know we were here, amen. We're going to let him know what we could have done and chose not to do, praise the Lord, so he cut a corner off of his garment and ran off, they did their thing then there's some more pursuing, Saul's still after him, David gets word again that Saul is camped somewhere else, amen, so David grabs a couple of guys and they run down there, they check it out, they wait till everybody's asleep, the Bible actually tells us that the Lord brought a sleep over Saul and his men, so it wasn't necessarily that David was just extra sneaky but we know that God was assisting in some of these things, amen, he was there with him. See the theme? See how I did that? It works out good when you stay in scripture. 
So he sneaks down there, amen, and again, the guy that's with him says, man, let me grab Saul's spear and let me run that thing through him. He, he actually said, let me drive this guy to the ground with his own spear. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to spear him so hard that he'd be stuck to the ground with his own spear. Anybody ever been there? Something you want to you want to destroy an enemy. I'm talking about not talking about a person, but you've had you've had an event in your life that you wish you could do something about it. Can I get a Sunday morning wave? There's one. Okay, 10, 15. See how fast I count. So David says again, we're not going to do that, but grab his spear, take it with us. And so they they steal Saul's spear. He ends up on the hillside. Saul and his men wake up. David's kind of yelling from the hillside. Hey, Saul, I've got your spear. You were asleep. I could have killed you. Ha, ha, ha. He's kind of not mocking him, but he's letting him know. This is the second time this happened, bud. I mean, you keep coming after me. Maybe the third time won't work out so well for you. So Saul realizes that David has had a couple opportunities and is choosing not to take his life, okay? Everybody with me? So Saul decides, I'm going to stop pursuing David. Say, thank you, Lord. So Saul stops pursuing David, but now, watch this, David has a relationship with a Philistine king because he's staying at Ziklag. That's Philistine property. And so that king... Because David has actually, and I'm not going to get into this, but David has actually been lying to him, telling this king that he's been raiding some Hebrew towns, but really he's been raiding some of the other, uh, um, the other towns that are, that are Philistine, Amalekites, and different ones, amen, not Hebrews. So he kind of lies to that king. So this king decides, well, David, if you like to fight Hebrews, we've got Saul camped out over here. I want you to join us. How many knew that? How many knew that? That a Philistine king actually asked David to go to battle with him against Saul. Did anybody know that? Yeah, see, it's kind of, Kurt, good job, buddy. Teaching your son the word, man. He knew that. Good job, man. I didn't know that. So good job. I had always thought David was out, you know, beating up on his enemies. And when he come walking back into Ziklag, he was walking in there with some swagger. And he was, he was victorious. Well, really, when we get to 1 Samuel 30, what has happened is David was kind of obligated to go with this king. And while he was in camp, Brother Hera, the princes of Philistine come to the king and they say, what are you thinking? Why do you have David here and his armies? And he says, well, he's going to help us fight Saul. And the princes of Philistine say, what is wrong with you? Don't you know that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands? Man, if we wade off into the battlefield and David decides that he's going to get back on the side of Saul and fight against us, man, we're done. What is wrong with you, man? Keith, Keith J. version. And so that king goes, well, I mean, he's, he's like an ally to us now. We're helping one another out. I mean, he's kind of, he doesn't really know what David has been up to behind the scenes. So he thinks David's an ally. He's going to help us. We're going to whip up on Saul. So the king has no choice but to come back to David, and he tells David, sorry, man, the princes don't want you fighting with us. You're going to have to go back home. So David heads back to Ziklag. That's where we're at in 1 Samuel 30. Everybody got the background? 
1 Samuel 30, verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, say third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Isn't that awesome? David and his men, watch this, were not coming back from battle. They were coming back from potentially going to battle or, or showing like they would, but they were just coming back home. This was just a, another day where they're returning home. They're three days travel. They're looking forward to seeing the family. They're looking forward to maybe a, a hot meal and a comfortable bed, amen. Somewhere to sleep that's more familiar to them than out on the ground in the battlefield, amen. So they've come back to Ziklag just to find that everything has been burned to the ground. And everything that they love and hold dear is gone. Not just gone but they're in the hands of an enemy that is willing and able to do who knows what to them. The reason why they didn't hurt any of them because there was a good price for selling them as slaves. Amen? So that's why none of them were hurt. David has come back and his men has come back and they're standing in the middle of their little camp. Amen? And everything has been torched and burned to the ground. Say scorched earth. Anybody ever been there where you're looking around in your life and you're wondering what in the world happened here? Everything was going my way and everything was going right. What did, what did I do to cause this? Anybody ever think it was your fault? That's that hospital mentality. If you have a prayer life and a relationship with God, you don't always think it's your fault. You just know it's life and God's on your side. That's a free, free commercial for prayer. They're so upset that the Bible says they wept until their eyes didn't even produce tears anymore. They were so grieved that they wept. Have you ever seen somebody crying and they're not making any sounds? You ever seen that? You ever seen a little kid fall over and bump their head? And it, they hurt their head, and they're crying so hard, Kurt, that they're not even, they're just, and their face is red, and you're waiting for their ears to bleed. And then all of a sudden they go, ah, I'm not going to scream, I don't want to hurt your ears. That's where they were at. They were so hurt that they couldn't even make tears anymore. Amen. Then the blame game comes. This is where it gets even harder for David, the leader, amen, because then all the men that were his soldiers, all the men that had followed him and they were on his side and they had gone to battle with him and they had even decided while Saul is pursuing you, we're going to join your cause. And we're gonna, These are the folks that were always in his camp. They were always on his side. And now he hears them talking about, why don't we stone David? This is David's fault. This is 
David's doing. If he hadn't been dragging us all over the countryside, amen, we wouldn't have been gone and the Amalekites wouldn't have been able to come in here and steal our wives and our children and burn down our camp. This is David's fault. Let's stone him and let's get this thing over with. So imagine being in David's position where David is standing there now, amen. He's not only lost, he's the one that has lost his wife and his children as well. His camp has been burned as well. But now those that were normally on his side and in his camp and the folks that he considered friends and family and companions, they're now wanting to to stone him and blame him. David, it's your fault, amen. You ever gone through anything and and folks treated you like it was your fault? Okay, amen. I'm going to talk to somebody today, praise the Lord. Here's what I love. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Amen, are you still with me? But David, wait a minute, David, wait a minute. God has surely forsaken you, right? I mean, he allowed your enemy to come in and steal your wife and your children and burn your your tents to the ground. He's even got all your friends and family and companions. They're all against you now. Wait a minute, God God has has done, you've done something wrong, David. No, that's not what David thought. David said, God's still on my side. God is still with me. And so David encouraged himself in the Lord. Here's what I love. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David, so David inquired of the Lord. Watch this. It wasn't David's first intuition was not to, let's get this place cleaned up. David didn't say, you know what, somebody stamp out that fire, somebody put out the campfire, somebody put out where the tents are still burning. Uh, let's get this, let's start getting this place cleaned up and picked up because we're going to start over. We're gonna... No, that wasn't even David's mentality. David said, we've got to pause right here. Even if I'm by myself, I'm not by myself because i got God on my side. we got to stop right here and we got to find out what it is that God is wanting to do with us. What is it that he's trying to work in our life? Amen. Can I encourage you today, church? Amen. When trouble comes your way, when disease and sickness comes your way, when trials come your way, can I encourage you, rather than trying to figure out what you've got to clean up and what you've got to do, rather than than, than throwing yourself a pity party and saying, I got nobody on my side and nobody understands and, and nobody's with me, hallelujah, rather than looking in the mirror and playing the blame game and blaming yourself, can I encourage you to find a prayer closet? Can I encourage you, hallelujah, to say, God, even if you're upset, even if you're discouraged, even if you're frustrated, God, I need your word today. God, I need you in my life. God, everything is burned. Everything is gone. But I've got to to make sure that I still got your voice in my life. And I'm here to tell you this. He will not fail you. He will not leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to turn a deaf ear to you. He's going to tell you, hallelujah, it's time, hallelujah, to fight and pursue. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us all. And he answered him, the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Let me give you just a little tip. I'm going to help you again with your prayer life. Amen. And I wasn't even planning on speaking about prayer today. Amen. But that's what the Lord is doing. Hallelujah. Watch this. David came walking into camp. 
His men are walking into camp with him. The tents are burned to the ground. Are you ready? I hope put your phone down, put your Bible down because I'm going to help you right here. He's walked into camp, amen. The tents have been burned to the ground. The friends and family have, uh, 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 for, for all intents and purposes, they have forsaken him and turned on him. Hallelujah. Everything is lost. Watch this. But there's one thing that David walked into camp there that the enemy could not steal from him, amen. There's one thing that he, and I know where you think you're going, but I, I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to surprise you hallelujah there's one thing that David still and his men that were with him walked into camp with that day hallelujah and there's one thing that the enemy couldn't take there's one thing that wasn't available for theft hallelujah there's one thing that they couldn't light fire to they were still wearing their armor hallelujah they walked into camp that day and their shoes were still on their feet their shield was still in their hand the breastplate was still strapped to their chest the sword was still in hand hallelujah I'm here to tell you today there's one thing the enemy can burn it to the ground hallelujah the enemy can get you to think that you're all by yourself he can tell you you're all alone in this thing sister sorrows but one thing he can't take one thing you better make sure you've still got on is your armor hallelujah the bible tells us that we ought to put on the whole armor of God hallelujah why praise the Lord it tells us why in Ephesians it says my brethren be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil hallelujah for we wrestle not against flesh and blood I believe somebody's receiving this right now hallelujah but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth hallelujah and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all take the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints I'm here to tell you today if you walk into camp hallelujah if you walk in your life and all of a sudden you feel like something has broken loose something is missing something is gone it's empty hallelujah where's the family where's the friends where's the health where's the money hallelujah you could still be wearing your armor never allow hallelujah yourself to lay down the truth Never allow yourself to lay down, hallelujah, your breastplate of righteousness. Never allow yourself to turn away from the shoes of the gospel. Never allow your mind to be unprotected by the helmet of salvation. Never allow your heart to not be shielded by faith, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, if you could keep on your armor, if you could stay in the armor, hallelujah, there's nothing that the devil can send. There's not a fiery dart. There's not an evil day. There's not a principality there's not a power hallelujah that can bring you down if you're ready to fight 
you're ready in that moment to pursue. If God says it's time to pray, you're ready to pray. If God says it's time to fast, you're ready to fast. If God says it's time to witness, you're ready to witness. If God says you ought to testify, you're ready to testify. You're walking around with your armor on. Pastor told us, hallelujah, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night, he said these things cometh not but by prayer and fasting. But watch this, he added this. He said it doesn't mean when trouble comes in your life, it's time to pray and fast. He said it's time to pray and fast now. He said it's time to pray and fast this day. It's time to pray and fast this hour for when that trouble comes, when that sickness comes knocking, when that enemy comes looking, hallelujah, you're prayed up, you're fasted up, you've got your armor on, you're ready to pursue, you're ready to fight, you're ready to get it back. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He has equipped us, amen, with what we need, hallelujah, if we will be sure not to take it off. Oh, hallelujah. He has given us what we need to fight our enemy if we'll make sure we stay and keep it on and stay ready. Hallelujah. David went, he and his 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor, amen, where those stayed who were left behind. But David, a man, pursued, and he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook be sore. <laughs> confidence in the word of God. Do you have confidence in the promise and in the word of God today? Anybody? More than 10 of you? Confidence in the word and in the promises of God. What did that what, what do I mean by that? David took 600 men to chase after an army. Watch. 200 of them were so tired by the time they got to the brook, they couldn't even cross the river. And they took that deep breath and they said, "David, we can't make it. We've got to stay here. We're exhausted, we're tired, we're spent." We can't pursue. We've got to stay here. Watch this. You thought camp was bad. You thought the tents were burning that were bad. You thought the men turning on him were bad. It just got worse. A third of his men said, you got to go on without us. A third dropped out of the fight. And David yet pursued. All along the way, folks, you, 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 think, you think it can't get any worse? Sometimes it can. But know that God's word is true. He's faithful. He's just. When he tells you a thing, it's the thing. When he says he'll do it, he's going to do it. When he says it'll happen, it'll happen. When he says it's coming, it's coming, praise God. Hallelujah. David has a word from God and a promise, pursue. It doesn't matter that things just got worse. I want to hurry along. They continue to pursue. They come across an Egyptian that's a slave that the Amalekites abandoned. Amen. They come across him. They feed him. They give him water. Amen. He tells them where the Amalekites are. 
Amen. And, and I'm just I'm, I'm summing some of this up. I'm going to wrap some of it up. Amen. I don't want to take too long today. Amen. But I do. Would would you be Would you be patient with me today? And would you allow me to minister to somebody? I'm going somewhere, and I really believe somebody. Amen. Is in their own personal ziklag today, and I believe God is going to answer them. Would you have patience with me while I while I teach this? I don't want to feel hurried. Amen. But I'm not going to belabor it. I won't. I won't repeat myself. They go along. They fight. Amen. And as you know, the story ends. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David, David rescued his two wives. Watch this. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. David recovered all. I'm not going to make a doctrine out of this. I'm not going to try to promise you that if you've lost something, you're going to get it back. What I am going to promise you is this. It's going to work out for the good to them that love the Lord. The Bible tells us that Job got everything back plus some, right? That didn't mean that his kids that passed away, that didn't mean that his stuff that fell down, that didn't mean he got that stuff back. It just means in the end... He was better off. Okay. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Isn't that cool? Now he's got everything back, but now he spoils the Amalekites. He takes all their cattle. All their, he just takes all their belongings, all their stuff. And the men that were with David, now all of a sudden they're wanting to honor David. All right? That's kind of how it works out. You, you know, when you're in the middle of something, you, you look like you're a failure and you're weak. But when you overcome it, all of a sudden people go, wow, that's really a great guy and really good gal. They really made it. Amen. So in the end, it always works out, praise the Lord. So these men said, we want to honor David. Let's take all of these spoils and let's move them up ahead of all the stuff that we got back because we want everybody to know that's David's stuff. David's gonna, David's, David helped us overcome this. He helped us get all of our stuff back. So we want everybody to know that, that all that stuff up there is David's spoil. Amen. And so they did that. And David came to the 200 men, verse 21, who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. Hallelujah. Some of David's men, and you're going to recognize this but some of David's men in this moment now all of a sudden feel entitled now all of a sudden they've got residual revival something that they weren't they were just going to kill David in the beginning they were just going to end it all and maybe just start setting their tents up and cleaning up the mess amen and so now all of a sudden these men feel entitled they've got some residual revival amen and now they're saying you know what when these folks come that couldn't make it they couldn't cross the creek they were weak they weren't strong like us they didn't go fight like us they weren't in the battle that we were in amen we're just going to give them their stuff back and then they got to go Amen? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that, but that's humans. That's human beings. Human beings do that stuff. But they felt entitled, amen. Well, David squashes that real fast because watch what David says. My brethren, who sh we, 
You shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and, and preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. Amen. It's as if somewhere between victory and now an opportunity for restoration, these folks, hallelujah, forgot what God has done for them. Hallelujah. Somewhere between the few miles between, Sister Stacy, I'll look to you from now on. The, the few miles, amen, that from which they were in the Amalekites' camp and they slew them and they got all their stuff back. Somewhere between there and now they're at the brook where folks were weak and down and couldn't make it. Somewhere along those few miles right there, they decided, Sister Harpole, that now we're entitled. We're the guys. We're the ones that did it, amen. It was us that did it. And David says, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Who is, who is worthy to do this? Have you not forgotten who brought us the victory? What was David saying? And we know. David knew before he fought. David knew while he was fighting. And David knew after the fight. This thing is about him. Hallelujah. We lean on him and we trust in him. Amen. One of the greatest things that we can do in our, in our Christian walk with God is learn to trust him no matter what. Can I get an amen? David came to Ziklag. He sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. With David's now new abundance, he was able to bless others. All those cows and cattle and livestock that they ran up before and said, hey, this is David's. We're going to honor David. This is his spoil. David took it to all of his friends in neighboring countries, and he broke it up, and he said, here, it's a gift for you. It's a blessing for you. Can I tell you, when you go through trouble and trial and tribulation in your life, you can and will be a blessing to others. You will gain things and learn things, and you will get an abundance on you. Hallelujah. You will find a favor in your life, praise God, that God has put on you, and people will recognize it amen you know why because you won't be able to go anywhere without blessing somebody you won't be able to go anywhere without having some words of encouragement you know what brother you can make it through that because I did you know what sister that's not so bad you're going to be all right you know how I know I know that God is with us and I know what God has done and I know that's what happens when we go through stuff we get out on the other side hallelujah and now we've got all this abundance not to glorify ourselves not to keep to ourselves but to bless our brothers and our sisters and those around us hallelujah we can divide it up and be a blessing amen isn't that right brother Hera brother Hera knows brother Hera knows this concept and he practices it amen and I appreciate that 1st Samuel 31 I'm going to bless you because I'm not going to go through that whole chapter amen but what I want you to know is this in 1 Samuel 31, remember before David got to Ziklag, the Philistines were camped against Saul. Everybody remember that? Were you listening? Give me a Sunday morning wave. Well, in 1 Samuel 31, the Philistines come against Saul. And that's the chapter where you'll read Saul and his sons fall to the Philistines. The Bible tells us that Saul had been wounded by the archers of the Philistines and as he's running, he realizes he's not going to make it. In fact, he actually realizes he's not going to die before they catch him. 
And when they catch him, they're going to mock him and torture him and do things to him. And so he calls to his, anybody familiar with this? He calls to his armor bearer and he says, please, strike me through. Don't let the Philistines catch me. I need you to take my life. The armor bearer was scared to death. Watch this, because of what David said earlier, the armor bearer was afraid to touch the Lord's anointed. Amen. So the armor bearer said, I'm not striking you down dead. That ain't going to happen. Amen. So Saul turned and he fell on his own sword. And then the armor bearer fell on his sword. Amen. It, that's, that's 1 Samuel 31. Now 2 Samuel 1 starts like this. Amen. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul. When David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites. This is where he got all of his stuff back. And David had stayed two days in Ziklag. On the third day, say third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell on the ground and prostrated himself. He said, and David said to him, where have you come from? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, how did the matter go? He was saying, what was the battle like? I wasn't able to be there. What happened? What happened in that fight? Amen. And he answered, the people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. So David said to the young man, who told him? He said to the young man who told him, how do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? Now watch this. The young man who told him said, as, it, as I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? So I answered him, I'm an Amalekite. He said to me again, please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and I killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen and I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought him them here to my Lord watch this sometimes your enemy is going to tell you things that you he thinks that you want to hear this Amalekite did not slay Saul that wasn't factual this Amalekite that's now bringing the crown and the bracelet to David was not the one that fell on Saul. Saul fell on his own sword, hallelujah. But somehow, this Amalekite, remember that name, amen? This Amalekite, one of those that was part of the, the tribe, amen, that had stolen all of David's kids and wives and ever burned the tents and everything else. Here's an Amalekite, the enemy of David, the enemy that Saul way back in the Old Testament was told, kill him, kill them all, slay them all, man beast, child, kid, wife, it doesn't matter. Get rid of the Amalekites. Now all of a sudden, here comes an enemy walking into the camp of David, and he wants credit, amen, for helping out David. Can I tell you today, your enemy will always be your enemy. No matter what, if it looks like you're going to gain some benefit from it, I'm here to tell you the enemy of your soul is always going to be the enemy of your soul. Can I tell you here today, he's not afraid to lie, steal, cheat, kill, destroy, hallelujah. In fact, that's what he's out set out to do, amen. Just because he stands before you with gifts and promises just because he stands before you with good stories and things that look good hallelujah I'm here to tell you remember your enemy is always your enemy and the enemy of your soul is always going to be out to get you praise the Lord praise the Lord the things that God has declared are our enemy we should always leave them enemies amen 
David took a hold of his own clothes and he tore them and he did all the men and so did all the men that were with him and they mourned and they wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel because they had fallen by sword. I'm almost done. And David said to the young man who told him, where are you from? And that young Amalekite answered and said, I am the son of an alien and Amalekite. Watch David's response. So David said to him, how was it you weren't afraid to put forth your hand and destroy the Lord's anointed? Wait a minute, this guy came with, this guy came with a crown and a bracelet and, and news. He's he just here to help. This, this little Amalekite's just here to help, David. Well, calm down. And David said, how is it that you think you can put your hand on the Lord's anointed? Say, that's me. Can I tell you, our king of kings gets upset when our enemy tries to put his hands on us and on our families. The king of kings and the the, the restorer of our soul and the God of our salvation, he gets upset when the enemy thinks it's his right to put his hands on us. And he's always a liar. And David called one of the young men and said, go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. And David said to him, your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed your enemy if you watch and you pray you will always be able to identify him no matter what's coming out of his mouth should I say that again if you'll watch and you'll pray your enemy will always identify himself no matter what he has to offer you amen if you'll watch and you'll pray. If you'll keep your relationship right. David was not in a position where he was going to be fooled. David had decided, I'm going to stand on what God has promised me and nothing else. Folks, we've got to stand on the word of God and the promises of God and nothing else. No matter what stories come out from the hills, amen. Recognize your enemy is still your enemy. No matter how they dress it up, no matter how good it sings, no matter how good it looks, no matter how good it tastes, no matter how good it feels, when God declares someone an enemy, they always are an enemy and deserve to be struck down. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Here's what I want to point out. You notice a couple of times there I pointed out the words, and on the third day. Remember that? Here's where I want to encourage somebody. When David and his men came to Ziklag, the Bible tells us that at that moment, David got a word from the Lord after he had prayed and he decided to pursue. Remember? He pursued he got his stuff back, all the things I told you already. I don't want to repeat it. And then the Bible says that he traveled back to Ziklag. Now, here's what I want to point out. The first time I told you to say, and on the third day, 
was when David was coming back from where the Philistine king was trying to get him to fight against Saul. Remember, and it said, and on the third day, David and his men walked into Ziklag, and that's where they saw the tents were burning and their people were gone. That was on the third day, right? Amen. He got there three days later. During that three days, the fight ensued between the Philistines and the Saul, and Philistines and Saul, and the children of Israel during that three days. While he's out fighting Amalekites and getting all of his stuff back, everything that's been stolen, everything that's been taken, his children, his, his, his wives, all their stuff, their cattle, their things, all of the things that God, and he's lacking nothing anymore. The Bible says he stayed two days in Ziklag, and on the third day is when this little Amalekite come walking into camp with the crown and the bracelet of Saul. We know it's a, a three-day journey from where Saul was fighting the Philistines. And while David was in Ziklag getting his stuff, or left Ziklag and was getting his stuff back and made it back to Ziklag, three days had transpired and this young Amalekite came walking in and Saul is dead. I I'm not going to make a doctrine out of this, but I want to propose something to you. Could it be that you're in Ziklag today or that you have experienced Ziklag and you feel like things are, are kind of falling apart. And all the while, if you'll make up in your mind, you know what, I'm going to pursue this thing. I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to pray. You know what, instead of standing here and throwing myself a pity party and trying to clean up and start over, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fight. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go against my enemy. You know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of the enemy feeling like he's got the upper hand. I'm tired of feeling like I'm defeated.